Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. You just think we just, you know, whatever happens, we just shit another player. I, and everything's going to be perfect. All of our fans think that. You all think that. That's what you write about. Unacceptable in all areas. Unacceptable coaching. Unacceptable playing. Unacceptable effort. Not what we're about. You don't want to be here. There's a specific reason. Not really, you know, I think we did a poor job recruiting. If guys were coming in and immediately walking out the door because it was something different than what they thought it would be. We lied to them during recruiting or we sold them on a dream that wasn't true. Like I said, coach our kids to, to do the right thing and uh, you know, play with poise, play with confidence, play with dignity, play with class. At the same time, we're not going to take anyone's shit either. Because we want to be a big, fast, dominating, aggressive, relentless football team that nobody in the SEC wants to play. Now, that's all, sir. Second in the West, baby. Yes, sir. <laughs> We're ever getting excited about second. From now on, it's first, okay? All I want to do is fucking eat. I want you to eat. I want you to eat. I want you to want this shit. Do you want it? Do you want it? Show me. Bunch of Welcome in to the latest episode of That SEC Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Bratton. I go by SEC Mike on Twitter. And I'm joined, as always, by my cousin Shane, who goes by Big Orange Vols on Twitter. What are you up to, you big Tennessee homer? <laughs> hey, buddy, what's going on? Oh, doing good, Shane, but not as good as you. For the listeners, I want everyone out there to know this man is dedicated to the podcast. This is his birthday, and he's sitting here recording the podcast for you. Happy birthday, you big Tennessee homer. Thank you, buddy. Appreciate that. Yeah, uh, my wife's, all her parents' family's over here, and uh, she's like, you ready to... You ready to blow out these candles? I said, yeah, as soon as I knock this pod out. (laughs) So they're all in there waiting on me. Well, this is our big SEC Media Days preview podcast, Shane. But before we jump into all that fun, the college football season, the SEC fall, it's almost here. It's funny you mentioned your wife and the family there because I got to ask you, Shane, about uh, this comment from Mike Vrabel and what he'd do to win a Super Bowl and – I thought it was pretty interesting. He mentioned his wife here. So let's jump to this clip, Shane, and I got a couple questions on the back end for you. Would you cut your dick off for a Super Bowl? Oh, been married 20 years. Yeah, probably. You've got three. As a player. I guess we'll be married for 20 years one day. Would If you came home holding a bag of ice and Jen was like, oh, honey, what'd you do? She'd be like, I thought you already got fixed. I, I made the ultimate sacrifice. I had to cut my dick off, honey. We're going to win a Super Bowl. She'd be like, eh, all right. I, she or would, would she it, be upset? She'd probably be on board. She would be like, do you want me to do it? <laughs> <laughs> do you want to do it now? Do you want to do it now? I made the ultimate sacrifice. She's like warming up a knife in the fire, like yeah. getting ready to go. All right, Shane. So according Golly, to Mike, Golly, Mike. Golly. <laughs> so Mike Vrabel is is not using his dick. Apparently, he's ready to slice it off. And uh, is that something that I should get used to if the day comes I ever get married? <sighs> Mike, you know what? You know I love my wife, and I, you know, the thing is, I've heard this comparison before. I've heard this like, 
what would you give up for a championship? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and I love my volunteers, right? But I, they ain't nothing getting cut off me for me to watch <laughs> them win a national championship. You know what I'm saying? I, I got you. Especially that. Uh, I mean, that that is like the last thing to go, in my opinion. So, uh, <laughs> no, no, I'm not. I ain't getting neutered, buddy. Not for a natty. And I swear, we didn't uh, fudge the audio there. That was Tennessee Titans head coach Mike Vrabel on the Bussin' with the Boys podcast, which is uh, two Titans apparently have their own podcast, Taylor Lewan and Will Compton. So that was some gold audio. It has nothing to do with SEC Media Days, but uh, we kind of had to include that uh, <laughs> before we get into the activity here. But uh, you ready to go around the league, Shane? I, w- I wouldn't even cut like the tip of my pinky off, Mike, you know? I just wouldn't do it. I, I don't even. I wouldn't get a tattoo of it, you know. But uh, yeah, I'm ready. I'm ready, brother. <laughs> <laughs> now let's go now around, let's the go around the league. We, we haven't decided how we're going to play the guys. So and I wouldn't tell you if I did. So you know, I don't mind you asking a question, but I don't need to answer it. No, I mean, I'll be whistling Rocky Top by the end of the week. All our players, I mean, it's just like, right? I mean, just hear it over and over. And, you know, like every other, every third song, it'll roll through within the crowd noise that we play at practice. So you just uh, you get used to it. It's, it's a catchy tune, right? I mean, this game's going to be a street fight. This game's going to be a street fight. I mean, some of you guys don't know who Kimbo Slice is. Hopefully you do. Um, and you go back to it, man, this isn't a sanctioned fight. This is a street fight. I mean, this is the SEC, so I man, it's time. It's time to put on the hard hat, lunch pail, let's get to work. All right, Shane, so the fun starts on Monday. The activities, July 15th, SEC Media Days 2019, down in Hoover, Alabama. Last year was down in Atlanta, back to Hoover, back to its typical venue there, the Hyatt Regency Hotel. I'll be down there covering the stuff live. Uh, we're going to do our best. We're going to try to get you a podcast every single day during the SEC Media Days because there's going to be so much to recap. But on Monday, Shane, we got Florida. We got LSU. Hopefully there's not a fight there. And Missouri. <laughs> and the SEC this week announced the players that are going to be there. So let's run that down real quick. On Monday, Florida, it'll be Felipe Franks, uh, LaMichael P. Ryan, and Jabari Zaniga. So three outstanding players there for the Gators. Uh, this LSU contingent will be Joe Burrow, quarterback, Grant Delpit, their outstanding safety, and Lloyd Cushenberry, their starting center. And for Missouri, Kelly Bryant, I thought that was a surprise, the transfer quarterback from Clemson. Uh, Kale Garrett, their outstanding linebacker, and Demarcus Acey. So Shane, anything jump out to you of those nine players that are going to be there on Monday? Well, I'm glad Kelly's going to be down there. That kind of lets you know. Either A, the coach just has faith in him, or B, he's really taking a, a, a leadership role on this team. So that's that's awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, but honestly, you know, when I'm looking at LSU and Florida, mm-hmm. it, I, I think they're that's kind of what you expected. I'm different on these on these that go down there. I, you know, a lot of them will bring seniors and uh, team leaders and stuff like that. But sometimes. I want to talk to who I think is going to be the star of the team. And and I think a few stars aren't going to be there on that first day. Well, one thing 
like the Kelly Bryant, like I said, that jumped out to me. But I really like that each of these teams, you know, Missouri, a little bit under the radar, but all of these teams think they can compete in their division. And they've all got quarterbacks that are either seniors or Felipe Franks, redshirt junior. A lot of people say this could potentially be his last season there in Gainesville. He's got an eye on the NFL. Hell, he's got an eye on Major League Baseball, Shane. The Boston Red Sox have <laughs> signed him. Not only they drafted him, but they signed him uh, on Friday. So That's awesome. That is really interesting to me. I, I think it's, uh, you know, it just says a lot with the SEC. There's going to be nine quarterbacks down here, which seems pretty atypical. But uh, those were the three things that jumped out to me. Joe Burrow, not that I didn't think he would be there for LSU, but – um, it, it just goes to show, I mean, he wasn't even on the roster at, mm-hmm. uh, you know, this time. Or he may have been on the on the roster at this point, but he was not there for spring of last year. He was obviously a late addition. And uh, I, I just think it shows the growth of Joe Burrow and, and this LSU offense that they're bringing not only the quarterback but the center uh, because we're hearing so much hype about LSU's offense. I was kind of thinking – they were going to bring more defensive guys, but uh, I, I'm glad they're bringing some offensive guys front and center. Oh, for sure. I love it when the big nasties get down there. I, you know, sometimes I wish I, – I just want one media day when it's just offensive line. You know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. Georgia missed the boat here. They could have brought three of their studs down there and been the biggest damn people in the room, you know? And these two outstanding defenders for Missouri that are going to be down there, Cale Garrett, the linebacker, Demarcus Acey, uh, I'm interested to see if anyone asked them, Shane, if they were contacted by Tennessee. I know Barry Odom, you know, obviously made those comments that uh, Jeremy Pruitt and his staff were reaching out to his players. Uh, these guys, every single one that I listed here from Missouri, including Kelly Bryant, they were all eligible to transfer immediately and not have to sit up due to the current bowl ban. And you know, no one hesitated. I believe Missouri is. I could be mistaken, but I have heard that they're the only program in the SEC, Shane, that's not had a single guy enter the NCAA transfer portal this offseason. And obviously they're the only ones with a bowl ban. So that's, I mean, that's that's a huge statement for Barry Odom's program right there. And I'm kind of curious to hear what they have to say about uh, people trying to reach out and recruit them. Well, that and how much Kool-Aid they're drinking up there. You know what I'm saying? Like, how much how much are they convinced that there will not be a bowl ban? Um, mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Because they've the fact that no one's transferred out, the fact that you know all these guys have stayed is remarkable. But that also tells me a little bit about that coaching staff and the support staff up there that's convinced these guys that hey, we're going to beat this. And you know these are you know it's usually the players in these back rooms on media days that let something slip past. And they say something maybe that they were told uh, that may or may not be true. So I'm just kind of curious what they're hearing on that front. And, uh, you know, because I, I really think that they should be in a bowl game. But honestly, the longer it goes, the less likely I think that they're going to be eligible, you know. But like you said, they keep fighting it. Then then maybe they can keep fighting it all 2019 and get this thing settled next year. Yeah, as soon as they lose a game, Shane, I would drop that appeal. But as long as you're undefeated, (laughs) let it ride. That's right. All right, Tuesday, Shane. A lot of action, July 16th, day two of SEC Media Days. This is going to be a big one. This is the day I know you're looking forward to. We got Georgia, and they're bringing Jake Fromm, 
J.R. Reed, their outstanding defensive back, and Andrew Thomas, their left tackle. Ole Miss, uh, this was a surprise. They're bringing freshman quarterback Matt Corral. They're bringing senior offensive lineman Alex Givens and linebacker Momo Sanango. <laughs> Gotta love that name. But your boys, Tennessee, they'll also be down there on Tuesday, and they're bringing senior linebacker Daniel Batuli. Uh, they're bringing quarterback Jarrett Garantano and outside linebacker Darrell Taylor. And last but not least, Texas A&M. They're bringing Kellen Mond, quarterback, Justin Matabuke, the defensive lineman, and arguably the best punter in the nation, Braden Mann, the senior punter. The only punter on the list here, Shane, but uh, anything jump out of all those players selected uh, to come down to SEC Media Days on Tuesday? Uh, Corral's the big one. You know, the fact that he's a freshman, um, you know, he's got a little hype coming into it. A lot of people excited what he's going to be able to put out there on the field. But just you don't hear freshmen at Media Days often. So that's a big surprise. Uh, of course, obviously, my Tennessee boys, I'm I'm pumped up to listen to them. I really wish they could have squeezed Trey Smith in there, mm-hmm. you know. Um, that would have been awesome. But, you know, we, we're going to roll with it. I'm, I'm curious, you know, what Garantano has to say while he's down there. Um, I took off this day. <laughs> so I'll be I'll be watching this one from start to finish, Mike. I was a little disappointed, Shane. I wanted to see De- DeAndre Swift. You know, there's so much hype with that guy. He may be the SEC's best running back next season. I would have liked to have seen him down there uh, because he may not be around next year, Shane. He's likely off to the NFL. This would have been the only chance potentially to see him at SEC Media Days. Uh, you noted Matt Corral there. Uh, for anyone that's not been to SEC Media Days, and I'm going to assume that's most of the people here, they probably don't understand – uh, some of these rooms, basically what it is, it's obviously the giant ballroom. That's the one you see on television. Uh, that's not the one where the players go, but that's where the coaches go and, and essentially give their press conferences. But they're smaller rooms. Those, That's the room that I'll be in where you get more face-to-face time with these guys. But there's also big lights, and you're talking 30 to 40 cameras in some of these rooms and just questions going back and forth at these guys. Now, Players like Jake Fromm, everything he's handled, Jarrett Garantano, Kellen Mond, I don't think that's going to be any issue. But Matt Corral, no offense to Oxford, but that's a a small media contingent that covers that team compared to, say, a Georgia or a Tennessee or Texas A&M. I'm not saying Matt Corral won't be able to handle it, but it's always interesting to see when they do come to these events and they got all these cameras on them and they got all these eyes on them and they got all these lights on them because I thought I the last time when I was down there, Shea Patterson was Ole Miss quarterback and he was at the event and he, I thought he was like, I don't want to say rattled, but I don't think he knew what he was in for. So I'm not saying it's a mistake to bring a freshman quarterback. I think it just kind of states how much confidence they have in Matt Corral heading into the year. And they want everyone to know that this is our guy. Uh, but I'll be really interested to see how he handles all the pressure. Tennessee, kind of the same thing with Jarrett Garantano. Not so much how he handles the pressure, but it's time for him to really be the man at Tennessee. And it kind of needs to start here. Yeah, We saw that last year with Jeremy Pruitt where uh, obviously he was the leader of the program, but a lot of people were questioning you know, how he would respond. Would he be engaging or would he just be boring? I want to see a little life out of Jarrett Garantano because, you know, at the end of the day, this is supposed to be fun anyway. And 
when when these guys get too serious, you never get anything good out of them anyway. So hopefully he opens up a little bit and uh, kind of the same with Kellen Mond. I mean, this time last year he was entrenched in a quarterback competition. There's clearly no doubt he's the man at Texas A&M. Uh, a lot of the hopes ride on his shoulders. So how is he going to handle that pressure at this environment? Uh, if he does not improve, Texas a and is just flat out not going to have a good year because of the, so many losses on the defensive side. They can't have a year where the quarterback is still kind of progressing. They need him to be one of the best players in the SEC, and I certainly think he can, but uh, I, I'm kind of eager to see how he handles that uh, at SEC Media Days. Now, who's bringing a punter? <laughs> Texas a and is bringing uh, Braden Mann, their senior punter. See, I don't, I, I don't understand that. Now, I get it. He's He's – you know probably the best punter but i mean you know i don't understand is that a team leader uh, you know we in high school we never talked to our punter you know what i'm saying <laughs> we didn't get any support from him he's a, hell he's the last guy i want to see on the field because something didn't work out you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. so bring him for media days i i just think that's that's interesting um but i i mean it's jimbo's world so i guess we'll roll with it is that the last one they're going to be packing up the bags when he gets up there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, so let's move on to Wednesday, Shane. This will be another big day because we got Alabama. This, this is when the crazies come out. Uh, for anyone that's not been to this event, uh, they do let fans, you know, not where the coaches are kind of, but they, they kind of let them in the entryway. And when it's Alabama Day, Shane, I mean, the gumps come out, man, and they're, they're just all over the place. They're, they're rowdy. Uh, so Wednesday is going to be fun. Alabama's bringing Jerry Judy, Dylan Moss, or excuse me, Dylan Moses, uh, Tua Valoa. I think those are some obvious candidates. I, I think that's an outstanding trio for Alabama. At Arkansas, you're going to have three seniors, McTelvin Aguim, their defensive lineman, Dijon Harris, one of the SEC's best linebackers, and Devois Whaley, their senior running back. Mississippi State is also in the house on Wednesday. They're bringing senior tight end Farad Green, uh, one of the best linebackers in the SEC, Errol Thompson, and an outstanding center, Daryl Williams. And finally, South Carolina on Wednesday, Shane, they're bringing Jake Bentley, uh, linebacker T.J. Brunson, and Brian Edwards. So the Gamecocks, also a trio of seniors. And uh, Jake Bentley has been to this event now. He'll be there three times. I don't know if any player's ever done that many, but, uh, I mean, he's not going to be thrown by anything that's going to happen at this event. No, Bentley's good. And, and you know, he's got a – he's great with media. In fact, I've always made – I always think he's going to be one of those guys that you see later in life on, on SEC Network. You know, he just – He's got that look. He's good on camera. Kind of surprised Boyd isn't going. That's Mm -hmm. that's kind of who I'd want to hear from, uh, especially coming from Arkansas. But um, yeah, that should be that should be a good group. Is this the order that they're coming they're coming in? Um, Well, it's kind of weird. They they mix it all up because uh, there's so many rooms and there's so many players. So uh, it's not like. It's it, it, they just kind of mix and match, and they they time it how they can time it. Uh, it's it's very peculiar how they do it, but uh, you know when you got twelve players shuffling in, and you only got a couple hours to do it. Um, that you know they they do a, a fabulous job of getting them in and getting them out on time. I mean they're by the dot, they're there. So. Uh, but they do shuffle it all around, and uh, it's kind of hard to say. You know, this team's going, and then that team, they they kind of mix it all up. 
Now, have they talked about, speaking of mixing it up, you know, nothing against Hoover, but, you know, it's time, Mike. You know, are they talking about rotating this thing at all, maybe going to different states? Yeah, well, obviously last year they took SEC Media Days to Atlanta, and the word on the street is they are going to be moving it again. Uh, where that is going uh, has not been finalized. I expect that to be announced during this upcoming SEC Media Days, probably uh, probably on Wednesday, the day we're talking about here. I think they're going to announce where the next one will be, and there's a lot of speculation that there's going to be in Nashville. There's a, there's also speculation that it's going to be in Dallas. Um, I I don't I don't really understand why they w- would want to go that far, or basically away from all the all the programs outside of A and M, but. I think they're just trying to get a little thunder there in in the Lone Star State, but uh, I just honestly, I just wish they would mix it up a little bit because you know media days is to me is like Christmas Eve, you know. Mm-hmm. We just uh, you know back back in the day, Christmas Eve, you got to open up one present, you know, and, right. it, and it feels like this right here before before football season starts, it's like it's it's like it's almost here, you know what I'm saying? Like once media days hit. You, you know, the, you start hearing stuff out of camp, you know, it's just, it's here. And I wish they would have it set up outside, like, uh, kind of like the draft is, like in Nashville, mm-hmm. you know, maybe have the media have the top four or five rows or something like that. They're the only ones that can ask questions, but maybe get a little more fan, in, fan involvement because, uh, trust me, if this thing was in, uh, Nashville, or if they go to the schools, if it was in Knoxville uh, this year, I would definitely run over there, see all the mm-hmm. coaches and the different players, and just kind of soak up. I, I just think they're missing the boat on this. Yeah, and I think you make a good point with the NFL draft. I mean, I loved it in New York. You know, for years and years they had it, and I was kind of uncertain that they should be moving that around, but that's proven to be a massive success wherever they take that. And I think. Uh, you know, moving it to a different location every year, would, it would just be really special to wherever it's going to be. Uh, last year, obviously, was at the College Football Hall of Fame, and they turned that into a massive event. And now it's going back to Hoover, and it's just the same old, same old. And, uh, you know, it, it's at a mall there in, in Alabama. I don't know. There's There's nothing really spectacular about it. So, you know, if they were to move it all around the SEC on a, somewhat of a rotation, I mean, there's plenty of places like New Orleans and Jacksonville, or Tampa, and uh, I think they, sh- I honestly, I think they should do campuses just like game day. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Just set up somewhere on campus, and you know, the next 14 years, we know exactly where they're going to be, and uh, that way everybody gets the same experience. And um, I just. I just think it's a bigger event than they than they think, and, and I I believe it would draw more fan support and attention if you were doing it that way. Uh, some of these towns, though, like Starkville, I don't know if they can hold the people that are coming. <laughs> oh man, they're gonna have to figure it out, Mike. They got RVs, and I'm sure they can figure it out. Hell, they got a hundred thousand showing up for football games. You know, that's true. Hey, keep everyone in this football stadium. <laughs> that's an idea. <laughs> Missouri, they could just put them in the dorm rooms like they used to, you know? <laughs> <laughs> All right, Shane, Thursday, the final day of SEC Media Days, July 18th, Auburn. They're bringing three seniors. Derek Brown, their outstanding defensive lineman. Uh, Marlon Davidson is 
co-defensive lineman there. And Prince Tego Wanagoho, I, I never know how to say that, but he's an outstanding offensive tackle regardless of whether I can say his name or not. Uh, Kentucky, Lynn Bowden, there's receivers going to be there. Uh, this was my favorite selection of the entire SEC media day. Shane Cash, Daniel, senior linebacker, he's going to be down yeah, there. Yeah, baby. And Logan Steinberg, offensive lineman. And finally, Vanderbilt, they close out the ceremonies. Kalijah Lipcomb, their outstanding senior receiver. Jared Pinckney, their tight end. And Keyshawn Vaughn, Shane Vanderbilt. You know, you can sleep on Vanderbilt all you want, but uh, those are three of the best players at their position in the SEC. They're going to be repping Vanderbilt. Uh, and in my experience, Vanderbilt, they usually bring a lot of thunder. I, I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that no one expects much from them, but Derek Mason's fantastic in front of the mic, and uh, usually his his players typically are too at this event. Yeah, they always got a little chip on their shoulder, don't they? Mm-hmm. I'm surprised Terry's not going to be there for Kentucky, though. Yeah, he's the only returning quarterback in the SEC that is not going to be at this event. Uh, I don't really know why, but, uh, I mean, man, they're bringing enough firepower with Cash Daniel. I, I think we're going to be good. I think uh, Thursday, I'll give you a little uh, inside info here, Shane. The Most of the media is kind of hungover. They hold a big, like, uh, you know, bar singing event there on Wednesday evening that a lot of people go to, and... After four days, or three days, I should say, of busting your ass, just just writing and writing and writing and speaking and doing interviews and whatnot, on Thursday, most people are just ready to check out and get out of there, but uh, I expect Cash Daniel is going to wake everyone ass up on this on this day. I, I, I can't wait for him. Be chugging in the parking lot, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Shane, so that is every single player that's going to be at sec media days and i think it's time to finally make our sec preseason predictions we're going to do it exactly how they're going to ask us to do it down there at sec media Days. so i'm going to be giving my media ballot shane's going to be giving you his you ready to make some predictions let's do it and some lady came up and asked coach dooley and i to sign something that was probably not very appropriate and uh, uh, she probably would have had to go to the uh, restroom to come back and get it in position to be signed. But um, <laughs> so anyway, I'm like, no, I'm not interested in signing. <laughs> and, and Barbara said, honey, go on back in the bathroom and bring it back and Vince will sign it. You know, to, to kneel on the, on the two-yard line you know, three times in a row at the end of the game is a very, for me, that's a very fulfilling moment. Um, borderline erotic. I mean, to answer questions about whether you were nude on top of a shark. <laughs> you know, I love the humor in it, all right? And yet, you know what? What it did that actually not only... A... Are you the best quarterback in the SEC? I think I'm the best quarterback in the nation. Someone came into your house on the weekend and started drinking your milk and eating your peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Are you going to come down and say, hey, how's it going? Or are you going to kick, kick the crap out of them and get them out of your house? I mean, that... Coach, what are your thoughts on the crop top band? On what? The crop top. The crop day band crop tops this, uh, this college football season? Uh, don't you tell me what that is. I'm not, I'm not familiar with it. You know what he's talking about? You fold up the jersey and you can't show your stomach your midriff? Oh, I thought we've had that rule. 
Oh, it did? I thought we had that rule. You can't, uh, you can't uh, show your belly. I thought we had. But definitely, you can't do it now. I think it's a good rule. You don't have to. You don't have to. Yeah. All right, Shane, thank you for that awesome intro. I mean, I think picking our preseason picks, I mean, that's worthy of a brand-new intro. Hopefully the listeners appreciate that. But uh, we're going to do this just, like I said, just like a media ballot is. Let's start with the SEC East, Shane. Who you got winning the East? I have got the Georgia Bulldogs winning the East. Yeah, I think this is the easiest one on the board. I'm going Georgia Bulldogs. They're going to win the East. They're going to return to Atlanta for the third season in a row. And how about this, Shane? Number two in the East. Missouri. Ooh. (laughs) Now, I feel like Shane is ripping off my list here, but we did not share these information. So these are completely independent of one another. But I also have the Missouri Tigers finishing number two in the SEC East. I know that's going to be a surprise to a lot of people, but uh, Dark Horse there in the East, the Missouri Tigers and. Like, uh, like I keep saying, Shane, if they're if they're in the running for the SEC East, you got to let that appeal ride. Oh, I agree, man. I'm kind of surprised you didn't have Florida. I thought you'd be, I thought you'd have Florida there. Hmm. So number three in the SEC East, Shane, where are you going there? I'm going with Florida. Okay, yeah, you big Dan Mullen homer. I figured that was going to be your pick. Uh, number three in the East, Shane. I've got the South Carolina Gamecocks. Really? Gamecocks are going to finish number three in the SEC East, in my opinion. I really like a lot to do with the Gamecocks this year. It has a lot to do with their defensive line. Um, They've got so much senior leadership. I mean, I I understand the Gamecocks definitely disappointed last season, but uh, a lot of that had to do with the injuries. And I just don't think Will Muschamp had that program to the point where he could replace so many guys that went down last year. This year's a different story. Obviously, hopefully they'll be a little bit more healthy. They've got better depth. I think uh, outside of Georgia, I think South Carolina's going to have the best defensive line in the SEC East. Uh, Jake Bentley, you know, I'm, <laughs> I'm tired of waiting for him to break out. I don't think he's going to necessarily be an all-star, but, you know, you're talking a four-year starter there under center, a lot of targets to throw to. I like a lot of what they're doing on the offensive line. They've got some serious talent on the offensive line. I got South Carolina number three in the East. Man, that's that's crazy. I do got South Carolina at the four spot. I'm with you. I just I love the offense. Mm-hmm. Now this, honestly, out of the the whole conference, this next three, I could see either way. Wouldn't surprise me if one's above the other, but um, I kind of lean more toward Florida. Um, I just I, I love their I just love their weapons. Mm-hmm. Uh, you not not only on offense but on defense especially. Um, you know I don't I, I think a lot of people are getting caught up in the in the transfers and the and the the depth issues. I just I just think they've got too much coming back and coming off that ten win season. I think they're going to still stay right there in that range. So I, I like like I said Missouri, Florida, and then I've got South Carolina right behind the Gators. All right, so that is where I have Florida number four. I know I'm going to take serious heat. I can already, uh, I can already feel the Gators tweeting me death threats. Uh, Mike hates the Gators. <laughs> Why you hate the Gators, Mike? They're coming. But uh, my biggest issue with Florida heading into the years, obviously that offensive line. Uh, they talked all off season about adding potential transfers. They didn't land any. 
So we're talking, they've got serious issues up front. Uh, I'm still not a huge believer in Felipe Franks. I'd, I have no idea where these people are, are coming from when they think that Felipe Franks is going to leave early for the NFL. Apparently that's in his head, but I think that goes to show that, uh, I don't know, that he's, that he's just uh, almost, I want to say delusional, because I think he's a solid, he was a solid player last year in college, but I think a lot of that had to do with Dan Mullen and how he called the games and what he asked Felipe Franks to do uh, because he's not shown anything with his arm that he could be an NFL quarterback. But And more power to him. If, if he takes the next step and proves to be one of the SEC's best signal callers, I'll look like an idiot here, but I'm prepared to take that. Uh, now, <laughs> flipping to the, the defensive side, Shane, their defensive backs, I said this the other day on Twitter, and I do believe this, but uh, I think they have the best starting defensive backs in the SEC. Uh, the unfortunate part for the Gators is they have virtually nothing behind those guys outside of uh, some promising freshmen, and while everyone gets hyped up on these elite recruits, I mean, until we see something, I, I just can't count on them. Uh, they're counting on some transfers coming in on the front seven to develop and and be impact players, and uh, that's a gamble, I think. So uh, I'm just not sold, particularly on that depth on the defensive side, on the offensive line. You can have all the receivers in the world, but I'm just not sure that uh, that translates to big-time wins in the SEC. I think the SEC, more than any other league, is a line of scrimmage league, and with issues on both lines of scrimmage and potentially at quarterback, uh, I'm not sold. There a lot of um, a lot of coin flip games for Florida this year, in my opinion, and I think they're going to uh, drop up more than people suspect. Ouch, Mike. Ouch. I could just hear the reviews taking a hit right now. <laughs> <laughs> All right, number five in the SEC, Shane. Uh, I think I know who you got, but you tell the listeners. Oh, baby, that's Rocky Top. That is the big, big orange and white right there, buddy. So you're not concerned at all? There are issues on the offense and defensive line. No, I, I think that they do bounce back. I think they've got more depth coming into this year, and um, I think the scheduling is what I like most. You know, they had a bad draw last year. It felt like, and and as I'm going down this list, there are some 50-50 games that I gave them the edge to. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I, but I also think there's some 50-50 games on there that I didn't give them, but I wouldn't be surprised if they won. So. Uh, yeah, I like the balls. I like them getting uh, at least seven, maybe even eight wins this year. Well, that's where I have Tennessee as well, Shane, and I think it's more of a reflection on the two teams below them more than the Vols because I still think you know issues in the line of scrimmage are, are huge for me, but uh, you know Kentucky's losing so much, Vanderbilt losing a ton as well, not a ton of confidence in the Commodores, so uh, I've got Tennessee in that five spot too. Uh, I'm looking at uh, as many as four toss-up games for Tennessee, and I think if they can win two of them, I'll list them here, BYU, Florida, Mississippi State, South Carolina, and Kentucky. If they win two of those games, uh, they're going to finish with seven wins, and I I think uh, based on what we saw last year, them beating Auburn, them beating a top-ten Kentucky team, uh, I think that gives me enough confidence that Jeremy Pruitt can lead Tennessee to two out of those five wins yeah and i think too the offense man I, we're just going to see a different offense out there you know we've worked with cheney cheney did a lot of good stuff down in georgia and now granted he doesn't have the talent he had down there but i think he knows how to identify what moves the ball you know mm-hmm. if cheney had uh Kamara on his team 
Kamara would have been the leading rusher. You know what I'm saying? I just I have confidence in him finding the star power. So who you got number six in the SEC East? Number six, it ain't hurt, but I got Kentucky. And, you know, I was talking to – I talked him up all offseason. I was really excited after the spring game. But I'm looking at the schedule, Mike, and I just can't – I can't give them more wins than they deserve. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And I think, I think they're going to surprise some people. I think there's going to be some games that they're going to be close. Uh, it wouldn't blow my mind if they moved further up in the East, but at this point, uh, I've got Kentucky there at the sixth spot. Yeah, that's where I have the Wildcats as well. Uh, I'm not as bullish on the schedule. I don't think the schedule is too challenging. They have a number of toss-up games as well. Uh, a lot of a lot of tough home games, but just but th- but that's the thing, you know. You get in these toss-up games, and I'm looking at them like. The problem was the to- all the toss-up games that I came across. Mm-hmm. I went away. I went away with the opposing team. So, and as you know, I'm terrible at gambling against Kentucky. So they may win the East when this thing's all said and done. But <laughs> <laughs> you know, I just I just couldn't I couldn't say yeah I think Kentucky's going to win that one. You know, I got to see more from Terry first. Yeah, I mean that passing game and my biggest issue is not even so much Terry Wilson, but it's the receivers outside of Lynn Bowden. And without uh, the crutch of, of leaning on Benny Snell and without, you know, Josh Allen just won them. I mean, he's, I don't want to say single-handedly, but he was such an X factor in so many games that uh, I just don't think, uh, I don't think anyone in the SEC can replace that guy. And at Kentucky, I think it's going to be that, it's just going to be so difficult. Yeah, for sure. So last, we both have Vanderbilt in that seven spot. Uh, why do you have the Commodores finishing last in the SEC East? I, I mainly quarterback. Um, so you know, so many question marks back there. I really like Vaughn, but as much as they're going to try to give, you know, Vaughn as many touches as possible, you know, he's not exactly a workhorse. You know, he got banged up last year. So if you rely too much on that, I just I just think this team may be a little bit too one dimensional. And the one dimension you have, you know, I don't have faith in uh, toward the end of the season. Yeah, that's a good point. And so you hit on Kyle Shermer. I'll go the other way and just say that uh, Andy Ludwig, their offensive coordinator, I think he was a really outstanding coordinator. That's not to say that uh, Vanderbilt had, you know, the best offense in the SEC by any means, but there's a reason that Utah picked him up this offseason. A lot of people have Utah as a sleeper in the Pac-12. They're going to be in the preseason top 15, I believe. So that should tell you something about Andy Lutwig. And when you're replacing a quarterback and then you compound that by losing the offensive coordinator, um, I think that could spell trouble for the Commodores, who kind of finally had some progress going on that side of the ball. And, uh, you know, Vanderbilt did lose a lot on defense. I know Derek Mason's a defensive-minded coach, but even his defense has not been that stellar in recent seasons. They've actually regressed. So you're, you're losing a quarterback, you're losing a key offensive coordinator, and now you're relying on this defense that lost some star players early to the NFL. Uh, it's just, that's just a bad combination. Yeah, I agree with you. All right, Shane, jumping over to the SEC West, who you got winning the West? I have got Alabama winning the West. <laughs> I was hoping you said Ole Miss, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I have Alabama as well. Um, I really, I keep hammering this home, and I don't know if this makes sense, but it makes sense in my mind. But 
I don't know how tested Alabama's going to be this season, but I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that they're just not going to face many teams that match up with them. Uh, but I'm not really sure that being undefeated I mean, they just ran through the schedule last year. I don't expect that to happen again. I do expect them to be favored in every game. I expect them to potentially win every game in the regular season. But I think they take a step back this year. They just, they're just they just losing so many key guys that I think are underrated. Uh, and I'm not even talking about top NFL picks. I'm talking about guys like Damian Harris and Irv Smith. I mean, these guys were huge to the program. I don't know. It's almost impossible to pick against Alabama in the West because of Tua and those receivers and and just the abundance of talent. But I'm just not sold that uh, they're not regressing a little bit to the pack. And I think uh, I think they got exposed a little bit by Clemson. Now, no one has Clemson's talent to, to do that to Alabama, but I think we're starting to see the, the cracks in the foundation. I don't think they're just going to r- destroy the rest of the SEC. I think they're going to be tested this year. Well, Mike, I'm like, I've been saying every year that last year was their year. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And it just seems like they just reload. So I've just, I'm hurt. I don't want to bet against them, you know? And so I think they run the board here. They, you know, they're pumping up this revenge season attitude. Uh, and they've got plenty of talent there. I just, I don't know, man. You bet against Nick Saban, you usually lose. So I'm, I'm going to have to roll with Bama this year again. All right, who you got in that number two spot in the West? I've got the LSU Tigers. Okay, <laughs> you big Coach O Homer. That's also who I've got. Why you? Why do you have the Tigers at number two? Uh, mainly because of that offense. I've I've bought into the hot mic. I, I think that they're going to blow a lot of teams out, but I th- I still think that they got enough talent on that defense to stay in any ball game. So um, yeah, I just I'm I'm not going to bet against them. The only game. That I would bet against them, obviously, would be the the Alabama game. My my big thing with LSU this year, the only reason I actually have them this high, otherwise I I don't think I would, is Joe Burrow, and we saw what he did in the first year. We've already mentioned this on the podcast, but coming in late, he's developed into a team leader. But you know he was pretty outstanding in key situations. On the road early in the season against Auburn, he delivered. Uh, against Miami, they didn't call upon him often, but he delivered. Uh, in that bowl game, after I thought damn near he got killed, you know what I mean? Like he got his head clear, just almost knocked off, and he responded with the best game of his life. Now they're opening it up. They got all these receivers. I think Joe Burrow, and we're finally waiting for the LSU offense to come around, but I think a lot of that also has to do with the fact they're constantly waiting for a quarterback to emerge They've got that guy, in my opinion, now, and I think that makes all the difference in Baton Rouge. I know they're losing Devin White and Greedy Williams on the defensive side, but they bring back essentially everyone else. I think LSU's defense is going to be even better than it was last year. I think Joe Burrow takes a big step forward this year, and uh, all that leads me to believe that LSU, they, they're going to challenge Alabama, but I still can't pick them to, to topple the tide. Yeah, I'm with you. Number three in the West, who you got, Shane? Number three, I've got the Texas A&M Aggies. Now, I know they got a tough schedule, mm-hmm. but I just, as I'm looking at the other West teams, I just like them more. Okay. Well, how about this, Shane? I think I'm going to knock your socks off with this one. But I've got the Auburn Tigers, number three in the SEC West. And, man, I really want the to pick them a little bit higher, but... 
I just don't know if they can go much higher than that. I know Gus Malzahn's sitting on a hot seat. I mean, we got Colin Coward out here calling for his job. I don't know if you saw that this week, but that was his preseason pick. I just love the Tigers' defensive line. I think it's the best in the SEC. They've got a lot of talent in the defensive backfield as well. I think that defense is going to be outstanding. And, uh, you know, the more I hear about it, Shane, I think Bo Nix is going to be the next Jake Fromm, Jalen Hurts type impact quarterback freshman in the SEC. I think he's going to do big things there at Auburn starting immediately. I love the receivers. I'm not crazy about the offensive line, but they do have five seniors. They they did they didn't get it done last year, but with Gus Malzahn calling the play, calling the plays, I like the running game to kind of come back to Auburn. And the basically the only thing holding me back from picking them any higher, Shane, is the fact that they do have to play Alabama and Georgia, and obviously LSU as well. But I think they can beat LSU. But can they beat Alabama and Georgia? I mean. They basically have to win two of those three, I think, to climb any higher. And uh, I just don't know if that's possible. Yeah, I, I, I couldn't disagree with you more, Mike. Okay. Well, who you got uh, number four in the SEC West? Number four, I've got Mississippi State. Okay. Well, why you got yeah. the Bulldogs there? Uh, well, uh, again, we're, we're kind of getting into that muddled section. And, and uh, I just like the – I just like everything that they're doing. I like the pieces that they've added here of late. Mm-hmm. You know, I was a little worried going into the season, but the fact they went out, got some receivers, got some playmakers, you know, they 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 did what Florida should have done. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Uh, when they Florida had offensive line trouble, you know, they needed to get some of those transfers in. It seems like Coach went out there and got it done, and that's kind of why I like them at that spot. Um, I, like I said, if you would ask me two months ago, I'd have had them lower, but I just like the momentum that they have going into the season. All right. Well, number four, that's where I have Texas A&M. I think uh, the Aggies are not going to live up to hype this year. I think their big year is going to be 2020. Uh, a lot of that, it just has to do with who they've lost, Shane. I mean, uh, Travion Williams, I think we're discounting just how big he of an impact he had with the Aggies. Uh, they just lost so much in that front seven. I mean, they're basically rebuilding that uh, entire linebacking core. Their defensive backs were young, and they just they were terrible last year. So, I you know to climb into the you know top three of, of arguably the toughest division in all of football, and you're, we're talking a totally rebuilt defense with the offense losing their star player and losing a, a key lineman early in the NFL. And I still have questions on Kellen Mond. I know I, I know a lot of people watched him against LSU. They watched him in the bowl game. And they watched him against Clemson. Those are the games people remember. But uh, they it's it's almost as if they've forgotten the rest of the season because he was very very inconsistent. I don't suspect he's going to be inconsistent this year in year two of Jimbo Fisher's system. I expect him to be a lot better. But considering all the losses they have him around, and the fact they. You know, they have to play Georgia on the other side. That really kills them in the West because otherwise you have to win in Athens and you're going to have to beat Alabama to, to climb much higher. And I just don't think that can happen for the Aggies this year. But 2020, with all this talent Jimbo's bringing in, uh, I mean, it's going to be a different story. Number five in the SEC West, who, who you got there, Shane? Number five, I've got the Ole Miss Rebels. <laughs> Ooh, snap. Why are you so high on uh, Matt Luke's squad? 
Well, I just think that a lot of people think that, oh, my God, our receivers are gone. Oh, you know, the quarterback's out of here. And I think sometimes that hindered their team last year. They got way too one-dimensional. Mm-hmm. They, you know, they just kept trying to air it out with, with all those, uh, with all those studs. Which, I mean, granted, they were great talent, but I just think that this is going to be more of a football team next year, a complete package. Um, I think that they're going to surprise a few people uh, and be a little bit more two-dimensional. I'm sold on Corral. I, I don't know what it is. I've, I've you know, I've. Haven't got to see much of him, but what I have, I did like. You know, he's coming back. Uh, this is his second season, right? So he was a freshman last year. Mm-hmm. They redshirted him, I think. But uh, they did. I like, I like him. I like Scotty. I like some of these wet, uh, wide receivers that they got. You know, just because your ones are gone doesn't mean the twos were that bad. So I, I just think that uh, we're going to see more of a team effort with the Rebels, and I really like their schedule. And uh, I think they're going to edge out uh, these other two ball teams in the West. All right, Shane. Well, that's where I have Mississippi State, number five in the SEC West. And a lot of that, the only reason I have Mississippi State so high is because of that defense and Bob Shoup. I think Mississippi State may have the best linebackers in the SEC. Uh, They're going to have some serious questions on the defensive line. But uh, they actually have some stars in the defensive backfield as well. So if they can get that defensive line cleared up, I know they got a guy like Chauncey Rivers coming back after after he missed last season. If he can emerge as their next star pass rusher, Mississippi State could actually jump up to number four in my book. But I don't know. Until we see it, Shane, I just I was so bought in on this Joe Moorhead and his offense and. I know he wasn't really calling the plays last year, and now he's looks like he is going to call the plays in Starkville. But I don't know. When you're bringing in a quarterback this late in the process, I know fans get excited about it. It's the flavor of the month. Everybody's just getting hyped about it. But the vast majority of the times when we have these graduate transfer quarterbacks in, there's a reason they weren't playing at their last place, and they just don't live up to the hype more often than not. I think it's a little bit different. If you're a Kelly Bryant and the next Peyton Manning's coming in and you can't beat him out, that's understandable. But if this Tommy Stevens couldn't beat out some no-name at Penn State, I'm just not really sure that he's going to come into Mississippi State in one training camp and he's going to prove to be an elite player. I hope I'm wrong there for Mississippi State fans. And I, I just I don't know how this uh, reflects on Keaton Thompson either because – he looks like he's got a ton of talent, but for some reason it, it clearly doesn't look like the, the coaching staff down there at Mississippi State's got any confidence in him. They're, they've been trying to unseat him all offseason for some reason, so I don't know how he reads into this situation. If he emerges, potentially, uh, maybe his skill set just doesn't match what they want from their quarterbacks. I don't know, but uh, that's troubling for me for Mississippi State, and I think the offense is going to continue to struggle. I love Kylan Hill. I like some of their offensive linemen, but they got nothing at receiver. They got nothing at tight end. Um, I think it's going to be a struggle to score points against some of the better defenses in the SEC. Oh, I didn't. I didn't say it's going to be easy, Mike. I just. <laughs> <laughs> All right, number six in the SEC West. Who you got there, Shane? War damn eagle. Oh, I got the Auburn no. Tigers, buddy. Mm. I, this is uh, this is Gus's last year, so get your shirts ready. All right, well, he's going to prove you wrong, Shane, because who's going to finish number six in the SEC West is actually 
them Arkansas Razorbacks, Shane. This is the year we start to see the Chad Morris era get in, in the right gear. He's going to have a ton of freshmen playing. He's going to have some speed. And I still think, I know uh, it was tough to see. It was, it was like a diamond in the rough here. But the defense was actually pretty decent at times last year under John Chavis. I just don't, similar to the offense, they just didn't have the right pieces very little talent on that team. I think they obviously had the worst talent in the SEC last year, but still that defense pitched a shutout in one game. Uh, kept them in a couple others. So now they got a little bit more talent on defense. I think you're going to start seeing that, but obviously the biggest addition for the Razorbacks, the two quarterbacks, Nick Starkle, Ben Hicks. Now they got two quarterbacks as opposed to last year, not really having any that were capable. So if you got two, one of them's got to emerge, in my opinion. Starting to have these young receivers emerge. I really like Arkansas's running backs. I'm I'm still questioning their offensive line. That's probably going to be the the death of them this year. But uh, I think they're going to show enough to get Arkansas fans a little bit excited about the coming season. But clearly you don't, Shane, because number seven, (laughs) you got the Arkansas Razorbacks. Well. Go back to uh, to Auburn just a minute. You know, everybody's ready to crown Bo, you know. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, I've heard everybody talk about this is the greatest recruit Gus has had in at quarterback and yada, 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 you know. And he, yeah, he may be, but it's more likely that he won't be. I mean, how many times do you hear somebody is going to be the best damn quarterback you ever heard of, they come in and they don't, they don't do it. And it just, it just feels like that vibe – like if Gus was so damn confident in Bo, he wouldn't. Have, it wouldn't have been a question in the spring game. You know what I'm saying? The fact that he's created this quarterback competition makes me think that he's not even convinced Bo is his guy. So if you can't beat your own teammate out, I mean, what do you think he's just going to come in there and help the Auburn Tigers compete in the West? I'm just not sold on that. They got a tough schedule. Uh, the offensive line is not good, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, now the defense, great. The, uh, defensive linemen are fantastic. But that's not going to win you a ball game, you know. When At the end of the game, maybe when they're trying to close the thing out, you know, you maybe you won't get blown out as much you know, having a good defensive line. But I just – I don't I, I don't see it. And I kind of went back and forth with old Miss. And, honestly, the game that decided it, uh, or which place I was going to put this was the actual Old Miss Auburn game. Mm-hmm. It's later in the season. I think Old Miss wins. I think that's Gus's last game. So I'm calling it now. Old Miss upsets Auburn at home. Not only does Coach Luke get his extension, but Gus gets fired. Wait a second, Shane. So going back to your comments on Bo Nix, so you are disturbed the fact that they didn't name a guy that just got to campus about a month ago as a starter in the spring i mean trevor lawrence didn't come out and start for clemson tua didn't come out and start for alabama jake Fromm didn't come out and start for georgia jalen hurts didn't come out and start for alabama it's incredibly hard even if you enroll early to come in and, and win that starting job, yes, all those players I just mentioned eventually started their first year, but I don't know. I, I just think it's hard to come in and, and, I mean, you're adapting to college, you're adapting to the playbook, you're adapting to the speed of the game. Uh, it is a mistake to just throw a guy out there or, or anoint him immediately. I think that's uh, potentially bad for the morale of the rest of the team, but I think what Gus Malzahn wisely did is – Everyone on that team saw 
that uh, this Bo Nix and Joey Gatewood were, were superior to Cord Sambert and Malik Willis, and he came out and said, one of these guys is going to start. It doesn't matter that they've never started. It doesn't matter that one's a true freshman, one's a redshirt freshman. They are clearly better. If you, you know, we got to play the best guy is essentially what he's saying there. And uh, but they've got to earn it. So he's got to make them earn it. He's not going to give anything to Bo Nix. He's not going to give anything to Joey Gatewood. But uh, you know, give him two camps and and get him into the speed of the game. Work him in slowly. I'm not I'm not saying that Bo Nix is going to come out and be two a week one. I mean, I, I mean, two as a generational player, that's probably a bad example. But I think he can be Jake Fromm to where, you know, defenses are saying, well, hell, we'll just make this guy try to beat us. And if he can throw for 200 yards and two touchdowns, I mean, Auburn's going to take that every single week because it's going to be a, a ground and pound. they got some elite receivers. They've got that great defense. If they can, if they can score 24 points in a game, they're going to win almost every time because that defense is, is going to hold opponents to less than that. Yeah, but we're talking Gus Malzahn here. We're talking about his <laughs> offense. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> to say Tua running the Alabama offense with his weapons or Jake Fromm with his weapons in the Cheney system, uh, that's different. You're coming out here running high school ball with Gus Malzahn, and I just I don't see it. Uh, you know, I, I'm of course you know I hate the offense that they run, and the fact that we've we're already crowning Bo as the savior of Auburn's university. And Gus knows that. Gus knows that he has to play Bo because if not, the fans are going to be very upset, especially when they lose week one mm-hmm. and and Bo's not in there. So he's got to roll the dice. So knowing that, the kid's already going to be thrown in the fire. Throw him in the fire in spring game. You know what I'm saying? Let's, let's go ahead and start developing him and get him going, get his mind right. Not all offseason. I hope I'm the starting quarterback because you know you're going to be. It's just, I, you know, the games that they played down there, I, I don't like. I'm just, I'm just not a fan of the, of the way this whole thing's being handled down there. And I think it's going to rear its ugly head week one, man. Well, Shane, you're clearly drunk on your birthday, so I'll <laughs> excuse every, all your ignorance. But uh, Ole Miss finishing seventh in the West, in my opinion. Matt Luke fired. Unfortunately, the trend in college football is we got to fire these damn guys in the middle of the year so that we can get a jump start on the coaching search. Maybe they give it to, uh, I think the most interesting thing down there in Oxford is going to see, you know, who's going to be the interim. Is it going to be uh, uh, Mike McIntyre or Rich Rodriguez or do they pull a, a wild card and just, you know, let those guys coordinate? I, I think those guys are going to have to battle it out. Hopefully they put that on uh, pay-per-view or SEC Network because <laughs> uh, one of those guys could win the job, I think, if, if they take it over and show some progress. But uh, I don't think Ole Miss is going to win a conference game this year. I, that's That's the worst team in the league for me yeah and i've got arkansas last of course and it's it's not a a knock on arkansas i just think that they're not there yet they're going to be really young i mean something you talked about they're probably going to play more freshmen on that team than any team in the sec and uh i think they're moving in the right direction i just i think we're a year behind and uh i think we're going to see start seeing more from arkansas next year all right maybe even maybe even toward later the season Don't be surprised if a few candidates pull out. So the 2019 SEC Championship, we got the same damn game. Way to to be original. Georgia and Alabama to meet in Atlanta once again for the third consecutive season, twice in a row in the SEC title game. Who do you got winning the SEC Championship this season? 
SEC championship, I've got the Georgia Bulldogs. I just think top to bottom, you know, the, the only real concern that we have is maybe a few pieces on defense, but the wide receivers. And I think by the time we get to the end in this game, I think you're going to see the most complete team in the SEC with the Georgia Bulldogs. Yeah, I've got Georgia as well, Shane. So, you know, I think a lot of people talking Alabama and Clemson this offseason. That's, that's been the talk, you know, every day it seems like on the damn Paul Feinbaum show and, and just how motivated Alabama is going to be to face them in the playoff once again for, you know, the fifth consecutive season, what have you. But I think that's a mistake, Shane, because I think their biggest threat is in the SEC and it's the Georgia Bulldogs. And they're going to have that revenge factor against Alabama. Uh, you know, I don't want to predict injuries or anything, but, you know, we've mentioned it before, Tua. I mean, we've not really seen him consistently be healthy. So can he make it through the entire season uh, without getting hurt? Let's hope he can. But uh, I'm not sold on that fact just yet. Uh, and in a game like this, Shane, it could be so tight. It could come down to the best you know, kicker, best special teams, and Ricardo Blankenship, uh, you know, even he's got some redemption on his hands because he missed that big kick in the SEC championship last game, last year, excuse me, he he opened the door back up for Alabama to get back in that game, and of course the Crimson uh, Tide took that full advantage, thanks to Jalen Hurts, who's obviously no longer there, so uh, I just, I think the talent on these teams is almost uh, equal, but I like the advantage of Georgia's offensive line, and I think their front seven. I think both those factors are better at, uh, in Athens than they are in Tuscaloosa. Uh, and with the kicking advantage, I just think Georgia slight victory here against Alabama. Hell, they'll probably both go to the playoff, but uh, <laughs> I like Georgia to win the SEC. I'm with you, Mike. All right, Shane, so we've made all our picks there. Final thing here on the SEC Media Days, we're going to make our picks for Coach of the Year, Offensive Player of the Year, Defensive Player of the Year, Most Improved Player of the Year, and Freshman of the Year. Let's start with Coach of the Year, Shane. Who do you have winning Coach of the Year? Coach of the Year, I've got Barry Odom. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's an easy choice considering we've both got Missouri number two in the SEC East. I had Barry Odom as well, but uh, I'll throw in another one since you already named him. But I'm going to go with Gus Malzahn just for the fact that uh, entering the season on the hottest of hot seats and uh, just the, the, you know, I expect Auburn to contend in the West. And hell, Shane, if they can pull an upset against Georgia, if they can pull an upset against Alabama, they've done it once before, they get them both at home, they'll probably win the West. I, I clearly don't, I'm not predicting that to happen, but I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility. So I think Gus Malzahn will get a lot of support for SEC Coach of the Year, but Barry Odom makes a ton of sense. Uh, I think we're going to hear this narrative all season about uh, how no one's left his program, how you know he pulled off this coup getting Kelly Bryant. Uh, you know they're dealing with the sanctions. We've seen so many teams crumble when they get these bowl bans. If Missouri can do the exact opposite and replace uh, Drew Locke, who's thrown for more yards than anyone in school history, and improve the roster, uh, that's going to get Barry Odom a ton of votes for Coach of the Year. For sure, man. All right, Offensive Player of the Year, who are you predicting that to be? This one, man, I went back and forth, uh, and it may surprise you because he's not even at media days. Uh, but I'm going with my boy Clyde Edwards down there at LSU. Mm-hmm. 
And, you know, I know he's not a favorite. A lot of people probably leaning toward Tua or Swift or, or even from. Mm-hmm. But the reason that I like Clyde is, and I'm calling him Clydesdale from here on out, <laughs> is because when I first saw this LSU offense in the spring game and I saw, and I saw him performing, he reminded me so much of Darren Sproles. You know, he's a short guy. He's 5'9", 212. He's shifty. He's just a, he's just a superb athlete, and he can, do, he can do everything. He can run. He can catch. In the spring game alone, he had over 100 yards rushing and 20 yards receiving. I mean, the, he was involved with just about every play that, uh, that LSU had with the number one. So I just think by the end of the season, we're going to be impressed with LSU's uh, record. And I think a lot of that's going to have to do with Clyde and the, just the amount of touches that he's going to have per game. Wow, Shane, you really are drunk. I was just kidding before, but uh, <laughs> Offensive Player of the Year? No, I'm just kidding. But, uh, you know, LSU does have an outstanding track record of running backs, and it you know it wouldn't be a total shock if they have yet another one break out and be an all-SEC selection. But uh, I'm going to go with DeAndre Swift, Shane, and – my only concern here is I don't know if he's going to get a ton of carries. They're obviously not going to have to uh, ride Swift uh, because they're going to have such a deep backfield there at Georgia. But I expect that offensive line to just you know clear the path for so many, uh, so many big runs from Swift. He's a game-breaking player. He, he, they can use him as a receiver. I mean, he can do it all. I think if he has big games there against uh, Auburn and Texas A&M and, and Florida towards the end of the season, I think that's going to garner him a lot of votes. And I know this typically goes to uh, you know quarterbacks more often than not, but I think DeAndre Swift is, is just such a special player that he can win defense, uh, excuse me, offensive player of the year. Well, you know, I was, I was like you, man. I, I wanted to pick Swift, but there's going to be a chance we see five running backs touch the ball with mm-hmm. Georgia. And and when they have the lead, they're not going to be relying on Swift. It's going to be other guys to come in there and fill in. So I just don't think the stats are going to be there. It's kind of like, uh, uh, like Harris, you know, you want to go with him with Alabama. Uh, I just, I, they just, they're, you're going to see so many, I mean, people pop in, you're going to have, I mean, I know uh, Harrison Jacobs are gone, but, with Brian Robertson and, and hell, even this Trey Sanders coming in, I just I just see so many teams that are going to have multiple running backs. And LSU's going to be one, too. A lot of people talking up John Emery coming in, but I, it would not surprise me if you see Clyde play more receiver when John's in there. So uh, I just think the touches are going to be there. And when you get at the end of the season, most total yards by running back, I think it's going to be my boy Clyde Sedale. All right, who you got winning defensive player of the year in the SEC? This one, another one, not at media days, but I really like this C.J. Henderson, man. Hmm. Um, You know, he had a strong freshman season last year. I mean, hell, people are afraid to throw his way. One of the biggest things about the Gators that I like is, uh, you know, Marco Wilson's healthy now. So they can't just pick one side of the ball, you know, or one side of the field. Right. And um, just to be that type of shutdown cornerback in in the league is hard. And uh, that's why I like Henderson so much. And I'm going with uh, Auburn defensive lineman Derek Brown. I think he's going to be a difference maker similar to Quentin Williams was for Alabama last year. I've obviously got high hopes on Auburn. Shane probably thinks this guy's garbage and, and should be cut. But Derek <laughs> Brown, Defensive Player of the Year, I think he's going to make that level of an impact for Auburn. 
And uh, I know Auburn's replacing all their linebackers this year, but with such a dominant defensive line, uh, you know, that is, is essential for helping the linebackers. So I, that's a big reason why I think Auburn will still have a great defense is because Derek Brown and the, and the defensive line having such a big year. Most improved player of the year, Shane. Who are you giving that to? Again, kind of went around here. Um, and honestly, I've got it narrowed down to two, Mike. So can you put two on the ballot? Yeah, you can split your vote. Okay. Uh, my first one is Jake Bentley. I know he's been around for a long time, but the stuff that I'm hearing from him in the offseason, I, I'm just – I think he's going to turn the leaf, man. And I think he's going to have uh, a plethora of talent around him. And uh, I, I'm expecting big things from Jake. Um, hell, even going down there and winning the Manning camp, that's, that was just icing on the cake. Uh, the other one – and again, it's kind of hard to say most improved, but with Judy and Ruggs down there at Alabama getting all the hype, a lot of people forget and sleep on Jalen Waddell. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I just think, I mean, I, he last year, a lot of people don't know, he was second leading in receiving. And I think, uh, I think Judy's going to get a lot of attention out there, but I think at the end of the season, it's going to be Jalen with the most yards. So that's who, who I've got uh, as far as most improved. All right, for me, Shane, this is uh, going with my LSU pick here, but I'm going Joe Burrow because I think he's going to make that big of a leap. He's obviously the straw that's going to stir this LSU offense. And if if the offense finally does come together, it's going to be because of Joe Burrow getting these receivers involved in the offense. Uh, he's obviously been there for a year now. He's gone through one camp. He's about to go through another uh, there'll be, you know, he didn't have that luxury last season. Uh, he was battling it out to be the st- starting quarterback, whereas now he's the leader, I think, not only of the offense, but of the entire team. So I like Joe Burrow to take a huge step forward and uh, potentially finish as the first team all SEC quarterback. I know that's saying a lot because it's likely going to be Tua, but uh, I think Joe Burrow is going to give him his run for the money there. I like it. Freshman of the year. Who you got here, Shane? Oh, again, man, so many, so many names. And uh, I kind of went around, you know, a lot of people, everybody's going to be talking. If you look, a lot of people talking about Bowen down there in Auburn. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I kind of mentioned John Emery a little bit. Derek Stingley is another one that just popped, especially in the spring game. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of my favorites is Tennessee's Wanya. I just think that offensive line, you know, a lot of people take that position for granted, but I think he's going to be a big-time contributor. But as far as at the end of the season, who do I think is going to be the best freshman? I think that's going to be Nolan Smith down there in Georgia. And the, go with me here. I know that he's not going to immediately start, you know, at at, uh, at linebacker there. But you got a 6'3", 235-pound guy that can run a 4'5", 40. You're not keeping him off the field. And something that Georgia has really struggled in is having that big-time pass rushing. And they're going to be ahead a lot of games this year. And I think, you know, they're going to bring this guy in. A lot of people comparing him to, you know, Vaughn Miller or Khalil Mack. I mean, that's just the type of athlete this guy is. And I think they're going to let him pin his ears back and get to the quarterback. So don't be surprised if he doesn't lead the the country in uh, sacks next year. All right, Shane, and for freshman of the year, I'm going with Florida defensive back Chris Steele. (laughs) Just kidding. I'm going with Derek Stingley, Shane. I think that is going to be the guy 
he's going to be the next emerging star in the SEC. Uh, I don't think they're going to be able to keep this guy off the field. And not only is he going to play defense, he's going to return kicks, which is going to help you know people uh, take notice of him and potentially score touchdowns. I mean, I think if LSU didn't have so many damn receivers, he might even see the field as a receiver. I mean, I think we could see that down the line. I don't think they're going to try to burden him with that much. But I think by the end of the season, he very well could turn into a shutdown corner and maybe the best return man in the SEC when it, when it comes to punt returns. So I just think Derek Stingley's got that it factor. He's got, he's got that Deion Sanders, Patrick Peterson uh, just swagger, and, and I mean, you 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 noted it there in the spring game. I mean, he looked like their best defensive player, and it was his his first damn camp with the team. So, uh, I got a lot of hopes with this guy, and, and I think uh, based on everything I've heard down there in Baton Rouge, he's living up to the hype and then some. So, I'm pretty confident it's going to be Derek Stingley. <laughs> Dude, I'm pumped. I am excited, brother. It's here, buddy. We're what less than forty days. Mm-hmm. Uh, forty what. When you guys listen to this, it'll be forty days. Yeah, I mean it's like it's like a long month, you know, from football. <laughs> <laughs> so who you got getting fired? And anybody in the SEC? And I think you said Gus Malzahn already, oh, but anyone shit, else? Yeah. Gus Malzahn's gone, and uh, I've got Mason gone. Uh, I just think that with this new athletic director, I just I don't know, man. It just it feels like it's going to be a little bit of a toxic relationship up there. You know, I just, I've heard rumors that, that they didn't see eye to eye when he first came in. So I when, and then when you finish the sec last in the East, I think, uh, yeah, I think Mason's gone. Now this is a, this is a little shocker, but I also think it's Saban's last year, Mike. (laughs) (laughs) I've been saying it every year, but here's, here's why. Here's what's going to happen. Georgia's going to win the SEC championship. Oklahoma's going to go undefeated. Ohio State's going to go undefeated. And I think there's going to be another. Uh, Clemson is going to go undefeated. And so here you're going to have Georgia, Clemson, Oklahoma, and Ohio State in the playoffs. Bama getting left out. And I think Saban says, you know what? I got my new hip. I want to just spend it on the lake with the wife. And I'm out. I just, I think, I, I just, I don't know. Call it, uh, call it whatever you want. I just think this year is the last year for Nick Saban. Well, I already mentioned it, Matt Luke. I think he's going to be fired mid-season. That's the only coach I got getting fired. But how about this take, Shane? I want to know how hot this one is. But if I'm right and Texas A&M finishes fourth in the SEC West, I think old Jimbo. Might be on a little bit of a hot seat entering 2020. And for the simple fact that uh, I know recruiting's going well, but, uh, I mean, those people are demanding excellence. They're not paying this guy $75 million to finish fourth. He've, they finished second in the West last year. So, I mean, they've already got a taste of some success. If he if they take a step back, I mean, there's going to be some Gus Malzahn-type uh, you know, questions being asked on College Station. I'm certainly not saying Jimbo's going to be out anytime soon, but yeah, uh, he's he's going to be feeling some heat if they don't finish uh, in the top half of the SEC West next offseason, I think. You, you know who else I think is feeling a little heat at the end of the season, especially if it doesn't go the way they hope, is uh, Muschamp. Mm-hmm. I just I, – I, I think he's been there long enough, man. It, it's – you know, they're, they're expecting a lot more from Coach up there and – 
even though they got a tough schedule and we're we're predicting them to have a great uh great season you know given the the odds but you know if they lose a couple of these 50 50 games and we get to the end of the season and and they're finishing fourth in the east or fifth in the east don't be surprised if old Muschamp isn't on the hot seat going into uh 2020 all right, Shane, before we get out of here, I think we got a little uh, housekeeping to do here. We got uh, some reviews and a mailbag question, don't we? Yeah, buddy. It's here. Listen up. It's time for mail call. Don't have to answer that question. I'll answer the question. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth. You can't handle the truth. My turn, what do you got? Okay, here we go. What color is a fire truck? Oh, oh God, I always get these. Um, okay, uh, all right, fire truck. Fire truck, fire truck, fire truck. What color are those red fire trucks? All right, the first one actually comes, the first one actually comes from our Reddit page. It says, uh, it's from I Hit Three Bowls. And uh, he's wanting to know, he's a big Georgia fan, and, of course, uh, uh, the other day we had the Tennessee 43-yard Hail Mary, which was a amazing game, but uh, not if you're a Georgia fan. And one thing that he talked about was, uh, can you guys do a podcast? He wanted to do a whole podcast on why Georgia's defense always chokes in key situations. And, uh, you know, that's, that's a great question because if you're not a Georgia fan, sometimes you, you forget. But they've lost a lot of games right there at the end. You know, the Alabama game, that Tennessee uh, – hell, just Tennessee in general. Do you remember 2015 when Reggie dropped that ball, that easy pass right there at the goal line, and we ended up winning that ball game? It's just – you know, I don't want to blame Kirby Smart because, you know, he hasn't been down there that long. But do you think that it is a little mental, you know, like – we know that we're winning, but there's going to be a point in this game where, you know, we can't handle or something like that. Do you think that it bleeds over or is this just coincidence? Oh, no, I definitely think there's a dark cloud hanging over the program, so to speak. I mean, they call it Georgia for a reason. I think Clay Travis came up with that term. But if, if you just say someone Georgia it, you kind of automatically know what that means. <laughs> Um, and it's just it's remarkable because where they're located, all their you know proud history, uh, they had arguably the best football player ever in the college game, and I mean, he did deliver them one national championship, but that's all he could deliver them. Um, and they obviously haven't won it in, in what thirty years now. So yeah, um, it's it's remarkable, Shane, and it just seems like. You know, I wanted I, I wanted to blame Mark Rick, and you know while he was up, it seems like he created that culture. You know, like it wasn't it wasn't if we were going to lose, it's like when we're going to lose, and it's going to be at the end of the game. You know, I, it just always felt like if you had a bet on a fourth quarter that's tied between Georgia and another opponent, you almost want to always go with the other opponent if if Mark was coaching, and it feels like it's kind of bled into this new regime uh because they've had some uh a few games here you know that they they should have won and they just could not close it out yeah and i think the scary thing for georgia is the fact that uh everyone knows how the mark rick era ended but you may forget how it started i mean 
immediately, right out the gate, I believe his second year, they won the SEC. I mean, he was an outstanding coach. He he just turned that program over night and day, similar to Kirby Smart. And we, I mean, we've all seen the stats this offseason. Basically, this identical record for Kirby Smart after three years. So it's it's almost like it's happening again. Uh, you know, Georgia fans are expecting a title, expecting a championship. I expect them to go back to the college football playoff this year, obviously. But hell, Shane, if they, I mean, even if they go, you know, eleven and one or twelve and zero and lose to Alabama in the title game, uh, they may be on the outside looking in on the playoff once again. And uh, you know what? How much progress is really getting made if you're just still finishing runner-up to Alabama and the SEC and and behind Clemson in Alabama in the playoff chase? Um, I don't know, but uh, until they get over that hurdle, I think they're still going to have that dark cloud. They're still going to have their doubts because, uh, you know, until we actually see them do it, uh, there, there's going to be plenty of doubters, and and I think even some Georgia fans in their heart have have their doubts because <laughs> so many times they should have they should have captured a uh, you know a, a title, and they just they just for whatever reason will come up short, and uh, you know they've got everything in place is there right now for them to to go on a Clemson Alabama type run. I, I really do believe that. I don't I don't have any doubts that they can do it, but I need to see they can do it. We've gone this with this race before, and we've know where it, we know where it ends. Yeah, and it, it kind of reminds me of, and I hate to keep bringing it up, but Tennessee and Florida in the nineties. You know, it just like there would be several games where we're up, and and you're like, okay, but in the back in your gut, you know, it, if it was going to be the third quarter, if it's going to be the fourth quarter, we're going to get too soft. And we're going to be trying to play, you know, just prevent defense and then get burnt by Steve Spurrier. You know, it just feels like that vibe down in Georgia. Like, okay, we got the lead. Let's change what we're doing or what we're what we've been doing to get to this point. And they get a little too. I don't know if it's, you know, prevent the or you know they're just playing a little bit more on their heels than they should, and uh, they get exposed. So I'm. I'm I think this is the year that changes, but until, like you said, it happens, you're always going to have that that stone in your gut that Georgia's about to blow this thing. All right, Shane. So let's. Uh, we got any other mailbag questions, or was that it? That's it, man. Let's do some rating reviews, brother. All right. All right, guys. Well, I appreciate everybody hanging out with us. I mean, football is here. We got media days. Like I said, that's the Christmas Eve of football. And uh, we've got a couple of rating reviews. So these shows are going to start coming out uh, more often. Like I said, we're going to try to get out. Uh, we're going to try to get back to five days, five days a week here shortly. So um, this one comes from FUD63. Um, gave us a four-star rating, Mike. Yeah, four stars. That's all right. You can win natties with four stars. Uh, <laughs> it says, I really like this show. However, the audio quality is pretty bad. I thought it was just my phone at first, but after talking with someone else that listens, they had the same complaint. When they play clips of someone else talking, it's always as the volume so low you can't hear it, so you turn the volume up. But then the clip ends and goes back to the guys, and they're now screaming in your ears. I really like the show and will update my review with five stars if they can do something about the audio. 
Well, Mike, you're the audio man. What's going on there? <laughs> we definitely appreciate the feedback. I mean, we can't really improve it unless we hear, you know, there's an issue. So uh, oh, I appreciate you bringing that to my attention. Uh, that's definitely on me. That's not on Shane. So don't don't be flooding his <laughs> inbox with hate mail. Give that to me. Uh, you know, the matter of the fact is sometimes the clips, you know, we always go with the clip with the with the best audio but sometimes it's just not good enough. And, you know, I do try to edit those things to, to the best of my ability. But I think uh, because this is actually not the first time I've heard this. I, I heard this uh, during the season. Someone brought that to my attention and I thought I had kind of fixed it moving forward. But uh, I think what if we don't have a clip with good enough audio, I think we're just going to have to scrap it because we don't want that to happen. And, and I understand that complaint. Uh, so thank you for bringing that to our attention. And uh, I, I assure you, I'll do my best to uh, not do that in the future and uh, hopefully get you to uh, bump us up to a five star. Yeah. And it's, sometimes it is hard because you can't, these clips are coming from, you know, Jimbo in a tunnel after the game and, and it's <laughs> coming from a guy that's five people back, you know, with a microphone. So, uh, I think what we'll do is we'll just uh, – Mike will send them over and then we'll listen to them and then we'll just decide if we need to just scrap it and just read the transcript, you know, because mm-hmm. I've done that too. I, I always listen to the show after we put it out and sometimes I'll have that damn thing cranked, you know, and and, uh, and I, I like how you kind of eased into it sometimes, but if you don't catch it, yeah. Uh, you got cousin Shane yelling at you, you know, nobody likes, <laughs> nobody likes the cousin Shane yells, you know, <laughs> <laughs> but regardless, uh, we do appreciate all the feedback, uh, and comments, particularly those really help out the podcast, kind of get the word out on the street on it. And, uh, uh, the more the merrier. So if you haven't done already, uh, rate and review, subscribe to the podcast. You can even go on there and unsubscribe and resubscribe. That is like a cheat that gives us even more uh, ratings and reviews. So <laughs> Jackpot. feel free to do that as well. But uh, we appreciate everyone tuning in. Thank you, Shane, on your birthday for showing up and doing this podcast. We're just excited for SEC Media Days. The season is finally here, Shane. And uh, I, I just can't wait for the for the season ahead and uh, see where this podcast goes. Yeah, my wife's giving them, giving me the evil eye. I better get in here, Mike. I appreciate you, man. And uh, next time we talk to you, down in Hoover. Yes, sir. So uh, we look forward to it, man. See you guys. Go balls. Time to get my old ass in here and blow some candles.